Hello and welcome back to Bleacher Ball, where information is presented from a fan's perspective about professional and college sports in a manner which is educated, passionate, and sometimes humorous. This is your co-host Justin Burkholder. And Matt, also known as Matty Ice. That is true. And we are here for our third episode for Bleacher Ball. Tonight we want to cover the first weekend of March Madness between the first round of 64 and the round of 32 and discuss some of the highlights from that first weekend as well as um, covering what to look forward to this upcoming weekend with the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 coming up. And then we'll move on to talk about opening day for a little bit, which is in two days away on Thursday. I know we're counting down here in West Palm Beach and cover some favorites for the World Series and some awards predictions for the year. And then finally, we'll talk about the best mascot in the Major League Baseball and finish with a trivia question of the day. So we we want to thank you for coming back and listening to this episode, or whether it's your first time, welcome, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. And uh, as always, feel free to email us with any questions at justin underscore burkholder at pba.edu. So Matt, first off, we will kick it off with this past weekend of March Madness, and the first thing that sticks out to me is the there's only one double-digit seed left in the Sweet 16, and that's Oregon. Uh, when you look at the field, it's mostly one seeds, two seeds, and three seeds, and then you have Auburn as a five seed. Um, but other than that, it's really Oregon and Auburn versus the field. Man, I hate these Oregon Ducks, dude. They ruined my bracket. I had Wisconsin in the Final Four. I had them upsetting in their in their bracket, in their half of the side of it, and... Well, there goes that. So, and Wisconsin wasn't a bad team in the round of 64. They're not a bad team. No. They're not coming in with 23-11. Um, good three-point shooting team, a big. Uh, basically the same team as last year. But Oregon came in there and showed them who's daddy, and they got the job done when Wisconsin couldn't do it. Wisconsin shot 6 for 30 from the field, and Oregon held them to 54 points total. On the other hand, Oregon shot 46% from three. Wow. Seven for 15. And honestly, I don't know about you, but in the round of 64, most of the games were decided by free throws. On which teams could make free throws and which ones couldn't. That's That that was the key to the first round, I felt. There was um, the game where the guy had a chance to win the game for them, got followed on a three-pointer. New Mexico State. New Mexico State. And I picked that game. Yep. And I was in class watching it, and I I literally yelled, are you kidding me? Out loud in the middle of the class, and everyone looks at me. It, <laughs> yeah, I you, picked that game as need, well. You need to make your free throws if you want to win a basketball game. That The free throw is the easiest shot in basketball. That is a gimme. So, Do but, you think of all the double-digit seeds, though, that Oregon was the most favorite to be in the Sweet 16? Because um, they were the most... Picked upset in the first round, besides besides maybe Murray State. Yeah, I mean, Murray State looked really good. I thought they looked very, very good coming off that game. Their first game against Marquette, which we talked about in our in our last podcast. I, I, I had Marquette going pretty far as well. I thought Marquette was going to pull away, but Murray State absolutely manhandled them. Yep. Murray's, John Moran looked absolutely amazing. Their whole team looked amazing. I mean... They literally looked like they couldn't be stopped. So, and then they go into Florida State, and Florida State 
beats them. Beats them by 28. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I think as of right now, I mean, Oregon's been the most consistent. In the two games, did you? they held their teams to 54 points exactly. Both mm-hmm. games. And that's incredible. In the second game against the Anteaters, I mean, the Anteaters shot 5 for 18, 27. They have good perimeter defense. Yeah. And I think, and we can see this, defense wins championships. And Oregon's showing up to play defense every single time. They're knocking down shots. They shot 52% from 3, 13 for 25 against the Anteaters. And you can't, you you have to be able to shoot the ball when it matters most. And you have to play defense. If you get those two two things clicking, you're set. Yeah, that game against Virginia is going to be really interesting. I mean, two low-scoring teams, great defensively. Oregon's going to have to knock down shots. I know Virginia has a couple shooters on their team, you know, Ty Jerome, um, DeAndre Hunter, and a couple other guys, um, Kyle Guy, of course. But, you know, Oregon's going to have to knock down shots if they want a chance to win because Virginia's defense is so efficient. Um, but I'm looking forward to that matchup a lot, really. What do you think uh, the game of the tournament was so far? It's a toss-up. It, it's I could say this last Duke game because of Zion Williamson and the way he carried the team and R.J. Barrett making the end one and but Zion Williamson had the end one. It was Ian. It was Ian. Okay. Over Taco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Taco's not a bad player. Taco, very first possession, missed a shot, dunked right over him. That was a good game. That was a very good game in general. But I think the most thrilling game that we've had is definitely the New Mexico State. It just led drama. It March Madness was in the air that moment. I I picked an upset, and I wanted the Cinderella team to come out dancing. Yeah, I was high. On the last episode, high on the Aggies of New Mexico State to win. I had them in the Sweet 16, and this year was not a good year to pick upsets in the Sweet 16, as we mentioned. But, yeah, I, I mean, that game was crazy. They were down, like, eight with maybe three minutes left and started knocking down shots. Auburn was collapsing a little bit, and New Mexico State forced turnovers when there's probably a foul that should have been called. I mean, you get fouled shooting a three, down two, miss the first, make the second one to t- to go down one, and then you miss the last one. You get the offensive rebound, a three, a wide-open three-pointer for the win, and they, he airballed it. I mean, that was just, yeah, great game on both sides. Definitely, I agree with you. That was the most thrilling game. And free throws. Just said it. Free throws would have won the game there. I don't see um, I don't see them. If you made those yeah. two free throws, I, I think they win that game. I, and I think my bracket would still be doing a little bit better, but all in all, that was a great game to watch. But on the other end, when Zion Williamson had his in one putback over Taco Fall, he missed the free throw. They were down one. He missed the free throw. Since Taco, foul, Taco Fall fouled out on that play, he was out of the game, so R.J. Barrett was able, able to grab the offensive rebound and score to go up one. So think about that. On the other end, if you miss, since he missed his free throw that they won the game by one. If he would have made it, you never know. UCF probably could have scored. I mean, they could have scored, but, yeah, it's interesting that free throws as a whole mean a lot, but in that specific scenario, it was actually worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, in, ge- in general, I mean, 
so, I mean, you see this. You see sometimes strategies of tossing it off the front of the rim, the basketball. If you're down a couple and you want to create something and maybe go get the offensive board and get a quick put back. I mean, I, that was an intentional, and R, and R.J. Barrett got that board and put it back in. And you couldn't have drawn it up any better. I mean, it looked brilliant. Um, but I still think he was a – you need to knock down the free throw. And it, it did work out this time. It did work out for Duke. And quite frankly – they should have lost. They should have lost. Yep. UCF should have come away with that game. Duke did not deserve to win that game. I had I actually just created a second chance bracket on ESPN, and I have them losing next round. To I have Virginia them. Re- Tech? Yep. I have Virginia Tech upsetting them because we see that Duke is now beatable. UCF. We've seen that all year. Yeah, we've. I mean, we've seen it left and right, but we've never really seen but it. This could correctly. be a wake up call for Duke. Yeah, but it's gonna be a wake up call, but. Here's the thing. Now, Virginia Tech, watching that game against UCF, and UCF being a 9 seed, almost upsets the greatest, arguably one of the greatest college basketball teams ever. Arguably. Okay? You have arguably top three of the top five picks in the NBA draft on your team. Okay? And... If I'm Virginia Tech, I'm thinking, man, these guys are vulnerable. Like, they have nothing to lose. Virginia Tech has nothing to, do, to lose in this. If you're a higher seed, you have nothing to lose, especially against this Duke team, because they are the most talented team in the NBA, or in the college basketball. They, every single eyes are on Duke. It is not on Virginia Tech, it's on Duke. Because they have high expectations. Virginia Tech doesn't have... People aren't expecting them to come away with this game. Duke should win this game. Yeah. Who do you think has looked the most dominant so far in the tournament? Um, I like Michigan State. I think Michigan State, they won their first round 76-65 against Bradley, which was 10-point win, but all in all, it wasn't... They, they had an okay game. But they won by 10, pulled it out late, and against Minnesota, they won by 20. I I just think in general, I mean they're playing defense as well. Um, they're gonna they're playing LSU in the Sweet Sixteen, and I think they can pull it away. Yeah, I would have to go with Carolina. I mean, first round against Iona was pretty close. We thought Carolina might be the second ACC seed, one seed to lose to a sixteen seed in the tourney, but um, they prevailed against a good Iona team who's shooting it really well. And then second round against nine seed Washington, they. Blew them out and just looked dominant on all ends. And I think that they have a really good chance to, to to escape their region. And I think, I mean, they're still my favorite to win it all. So I think Carolina's looked the most dominant so far. Yeah, and they, UNC is a great team. They are. I mean, I'm a Syracuse fan. They're just an all-around really good team. And coached by Roy Williams, I mean, he's a great coach, Hall of Fame coach. And I think that he's going to get it done. I think Better they than could... Coach K? Coach K's got more talent. Coach K is working with more talent than UNC. But I think Roy Williams is the better coach, in my opinion. Yes. Okay. It's a bold, hot take there. I like that. I mean, look at it. Go Look at the players from Duke coming out that came out of Duke. And look at the players that come out of U- UNC. In terms of NBA? Yeah, in terms of NBA. Besides, I mean, excluding, like, Michael Jordan and all them. I mean, I'm talking, like, Roy Williams era. Like, you don't really see too many, I mean, Kendall Marshall. I mean, that's that's one name that, like, sticked out at me. 
like watching him from previous tournaments. But I mean, he wasn't the he didn't really do much in NBA. I mean, yeah, John Henson, Tyler Hansborough. No, I, you don't really see that. Instead of Marvin Bagley, you got Marvin Bagley over there. Um, Tyus Jones, who's in the NBA, he's not. He's coming off the bench, but he's their sixth man for the Timberwolves right now. Um, actually, I think he's starting right now. I think he's actually starting because I believe Teague is injured. So, some numbers: Carolina has three national championships with Roy Williams to Dukes, two national championships with Coach K. North Carolina's five Final Four appearances to Duke's three during that tenure. And Carolina has won eight regular season titles to Coach K's three since 2004. And no disrespect to Coach K, but his team chokes. His team absolutely chokes when it comes to March Madness in the tournament. Yeah. Um, UNC always plays well. They're yeah. a tough, they're always a long athletic team. I really like this Houston-Kentucky game. I think this is going to be a great game to watch. Um, three versus two. This is going to be a high-scoring game. Great defense. Um, defense is going to win the game. You need to play defense. you got to hit your free throws, and you got to shoot the ball with consistency. Whoever can hold the other team below 65 is going to win the game, in my opinion. I, when, and when I was playing high school basketball, I mean, we would come up with a number that we had to we needed to limit the other team too if we were to win the game. And most of the time that we did that, we would win. Just because we would have that mentality of holding that team below that number point. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Florida State Gonzaga game. I mean Florida State looked great against Murray State and I think they have a really good chance of beating Gonzaga who many people are picking to the final four, if not the national championship. Um, and I think Florida State is long and athletic and has a really good chance of matching up against Gonzaga really well. Uh, I also really like Texas Tech, who's dominated Buffalo, a very good team, well-coached, um, a lot of athletes, and they, they beat them by 20, and I think they have a really good chance of knocking off Michigan, who's not as strong as they were last year, the team that made the national championship, so I really like Texas Tech in that matchup as well. Um, but one matchup that I'm really looking forward to is Duke-Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech beat them this year already, and as mentioned earlier, it'd be it's kind of like Virginia Tech has nothing to lose. And I don't think any team facing Duke anymore has anything to lose. I mean, on on paper, they're the best team left. But I'm really looking forward to that matchup and just seeing if Virginia Tech can go back to what worked last time and if the players can execute. So do you see any upsets? So what's your if you had to pick an upset right now, what would it be? I mean, the only one, the one seed versus 12 seed, Virginia, Oregon, is a, would be a huge upset. But otherwise, I mean, a 2-3 can't really say is an upset um i mean auburn over north carolina would would be an upset and i think same with florida same with uh florida state gonzaga yeah i think so same with um that. i like florida state over gonzaga uh that's probably the biggest upset i would take i don't think oregon's gonna beat virginia um go ducks baby I do i'm th- rooting for you come on you're my team now i want them to go all the way baby i do think duke's gonna beat virginia tech um i really like tennessee and michigan state from there side as well. Now, what do you think um, about this uh, LSU game, LSU-Michigan State? You know, LSU is tough for me because I haven't seen them play much, but I saw Tremont Waters last game against Maryland, and he looked very good. I mean, this LSU LSU team is athletic and um, just freaky athletic, but... Freaky athletic, but they're keeping these games close. Yeah, and, yeah. and they lost their coach as well, so that's what troubles me a little bit, but I think Michigan State is too well coached. They're... 
um, led by seniors. Um, I like Cassius Winston a lot. I like McQuaid a lot, who can shoot it really well. Uh, I think this Michigan State team will win because uh, they've shown more consistency. Did you see when uh, Tom Izzo got into the face of his player on the bench? I did. What do you think about that? I saw a lot on Twitter about that. What do you think about that? What's your opinion? You know, I don't think coaches should be dis- should be um, looked down upon because they yell at their players on the court. I think that's – I mean, I grew up with that, and with that in mind, understanding that coaches had the right to when players were not playing well or – did some behavioral issue, um, and I think Tom Izzo what get, is right. What was, what was Izzo going off on about? I didn't see it? what he did on the court. I think I think it was he was taunting someone or something like that, and he made like a gesture or something like that. And Tom Izzo basically was saying we don't we don't allow that. We're that's we're better. Basically saying we're better than that is if I could read from the lip reading correctly. Um, yeah, I mean he got up all in his face, and I think he, he was heated. Yeah, he was and that's, heated. that's embarrassing as a player when a coach does that on the court. Especially, and I I, especially in March Madness. I mean, you're in the all, all eyes are on you. This is this is prime time for you. I mean, and you want to make reason to do it in March Madness. That's yeah. the time of the year that you need your players to be playing hard. Exactly. You can't you be doing anything stupid. I agree. I agree. I'm, t- I just, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I agree. I believe there's a line though. I believe there is a line, a very very thin line that leans more towards the coach being allowed to do it, but at the same time. You can't have him completely embarrassing on national TV. I don't get me wrong. You can yell at the player, but at the end of the day, you, as long as they're both on the same page, they talked it out. Then yeah. it's all good. I mean, Izzo's a class act. I think yeah, he he'll is. do that. And, and, I, and I think he will. I, although at the end of his during the press conference, he did say he doesn't regret anything he said. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you saw players, I saw players pulling Izzo away from the player. I saw him pulling, like, separating them. Like, it was getting pretty heated. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but whatever it was, it must have been important, and Tom Izzo wasn't having any of it. I mean, if it comes down to embarrassment, though, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, these coaches are doing this in practice every day to players. I mean, and all almost every coach is doing this, but it doesn't get recognized because it's not March Madness when everyone is watching. So I don't, I don't think it should get blown up just because it's March Madness or because we haven't seen this before, because we have. And that's what I love about sports is that you can – that the intensity of everything rises in sports. The everything in you, the drive, the the wanting to win in you. And emotions fly. Emotions fly and that's sports. So if you can't handle that, I agree. Then maybe you aren't cut off cut out for sports. Cause emotions are gonna be flying everywhere. And you're in the heat of the moment, you're in a battle. So if you can't handle that, then I mean you may not be cut out for the NBA if you're in college D1 basketball. But yeah. moving on, um, what do you think? We're going to move over to baseball, actually. Um, what do you think about the – what are some of the matchups you're looking forward to? The one matchup I have my – I mean, I'm a Phillies fan, so I'm looking forward to the Braves-Phillies, you know. Um, Harper with his first at-bat in Citizens Bank Park, standing ovation. I mean, I can't wait to see it, but – the matchup in the division that I really like is the Mets versus Nationals. I mean, can you get a better opening day start between two starters? I mean, you have Scherzer versus DeGrom. I mean, you have two of the best, arguably two of the best pitchers in baseball going at it on opening day. I mean, it'll be tough first couple of weeks. I mean, when pitchers are going to be on innings of pitching restrictions, uh, they're not going to be going complete games if they're throwing one-run one games. But, I mean, still, just to see these... Two pitchers go at it against 
some really good lineups. I'm really excited about that. Um, and the other matchup I'm really looking forward to is the Rays and Astros. I mean, you see Blake Snell versus Justin Verlander going at it, and I'm excited to see this Rays team play this year. I mean, they came out of nowhere last year in the second half of the season and fought back and almost got a wild card spot, but this team is led by a bunch of guys who don't really have much of an all-star face. Um, they don't really have a face of the franchise besides Blake Snell. I mean, you have Tommy Pham and a couple, Kevin Kiermaier, a couple yeah, other guys. Tommy Pham, here's the thing. Tommy Pham came over the Rays last year in a trade at, at the towards the deadline. Yeah. And he, he wasn't that well-known. I mean, everyone knew he had he was a prospect. Everyone knew he was he had potential. But, I mean, everyone gets hot. Baseball is a game of, like, hots and colds. You go hot, you're, you go really hot. I mean, all eyes are on you. But, I mean, you just like that, you can go cold. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to look at it both ways. Um, but going back to your uh, Bryce Harper and Philly's weird love that you have for them, which I don't understand. Um, it's he's, weird, he had right. a slump. He had a slump in, in spring training. He didn't look too sharp. Are you at least worried at all? I mean, yes, it is spring training. Don't get me wrong. We can't look too too deep into analytics and statistics. But he batted a two thirty five. Had He did have two home runs and a double. He had um, four hits in total. Dude, he went the whole offseason without live pitching. I mean, most of these guys... Have the first couple of weeks of spring training to get used to it. I mean, I'm not worried about him at all. I thought. So do you think he'll take a? Do you think it'll take him a few weeks to get adjusted? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Only... I'm not worried. He's the thing is he doesn't have to be the the main guy in our lineup because we have many pieces around him right now. He does. There's not that much pressure on him. Oh, he, he signed a huge contract. He signed. He just signed the one of the. He just signed the huge contract going to Philly. Yeah, I how understand. you how are you gonna say he has any pressure? The man. All eyes are on him. The all eyes are on him and Machado right now. now. I understand that, but I don't think he has. Especially coming off of his slump year last year. I mean, you you can't say you're not a little worried, or you can't say he doesn't have some sort of pressure on him. If he's hitting home runs, fans are going to be happy because that so it gets content? fans excited. Here's the thing: Are you going to be content if he bats at two thirty with, let's say, twenty eight home runs? I mean, not for the whole season. He's going to hit over thirty first off in Citizens Bank Park. Second, I don't That's think right, he's hitting two thirty. I think he's too good of a hitter. Um, he came off an injury last year. Second half of the season, he hit three hundred. That often gets unnoticed because it because his first half of the season was very bad. Um, but he's battled by injuries, so I think I think he's going to do a lot better this year. Um, it may take him a couple of weeks, but I don't think that should um, cause any fans to go crazy because um, he's he's already seen some live pitching now, and I think he knows himself well enough. He's in great shape. I think he'll be fine for the season. So, And do you I'm think, uh, what about Blake Snell? Do you think that he is going to be that stud pitcher that everyone is talking about? I mean... It's tough because he is so dominant as a lefty. Um, he has great stuff, um, great strikeout rate. But, you know, the Rays offense, I don't think it's going to support him too much. And so that's why, it's like, st- st- statistic-wise, I don't know how great he will do. In terms of wins, I mean, he had nineteen, twenty last year. I forget, but um, I think he'll have another good year. But I don't think he's the Cy Young again this year. Looking at the AL East, I mean, being a Yankee fan, we're always on top. I mean, we we have it easy. We have it made for us. On top, we also the Red Sox. We're always battling it out for the top spot. And I mean, the Orioles are a joke. 
the Rays were considered a joke. I mean, yeah. they're not really, in my opinion, they're not a team to be reckoned with yet. In my opinion. Yeah. They're, they're not, not a team where like it's like okay, all right, now we gotta go face them, and we might we might be lucky. We have to pray for a two out of three series win. Yeah. Um, I'm going in there and I'm expecting a sweep. That's every single time. Yeah, they might get their win. They might get one win. And I just I see us winning the series, the like the whole season series against them with ease. I don't feel threatened by them at all. I have a buddy who's a race fan. He tried to bring up to me that they're young, and yeah, they are young. They they have a young team, and Blake Snell is a great had a great year last year. I just don't. I'm not threatened by them. Yeah, he can't carry the whole team. No one man. Can. You can't. You can't. Look at look at the Angels. Shohei Otani. I mean, the, it's one man. Him and him and Trout. There are two people. How many people are on the field at once? Nine. Yeah, you can't have two out of the nine carry your team. Especially when Otani and Trout are hurt last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I, I don't think that the... Going off onto that topic, I don't think that the Angels have done enough for Trout. I don't think... That, I think they're no. ruining his career. I think they're ruining his talent right now. I feel like the GM needs to make a move. He needs to show Trout a reason to stay there. And if, Well, he, it, he already did. He already did. He's there now. He's, yeah, he's I mean, alive. well, he's there now, so he must have given him a really good pitch, saying, hey... This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do it for you, and you're gonna you're gonna enjoy being in Los Angeles. I mean, Trout said he envisions him winning a World Series there, a couple, but I I don't see it because LA's. I mean, the Angels don't have a huge market. The Dodgers do, but the the Angels don't. They're just not the team in LA. I mean, that's that's the honest truth with them. But they don't have enough pieces there. I mean, they're like a balance between young and old. You got Andrelton Simmons, Andrelton Simmons, who's good. Otani's good. He's he's already in his late twenties. Uh, who knows how, how good he'll stay with his surgery. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. The Angels don't seem like a, the place to be for a lot of free agents. And, and even now with a lot of guys signing contract extensions instead of testing the free agent waters, it's tough to get these guys unless you give away trades. But the Angels, if, unless you trade away pieces, but the Angels don't have one of the best farm systems if, either. If we're, if we're going off of, like, let's just say we ignore the trades. They don't do that well. This They don't make any trades, right? And we go into this next offseason, okay? They don't fit it. They do just as good as they've been doing these past couple of years, right? Mediocre, not supporting Trout at all. There's really not a lot of free agents this upcoming thing. Best catchers, Francisco Cervelli, Jose Abreu at first, Scooter Jeanette, Anthony Rendon, Xander Bogarts, Marcel Ozuna, Chris Davis, Garrett Cole, J.D. Martinez, if he opts out, um, Bumgarner... Strasburg, I mean, those are some names, but they're not going to go to L.A. They don't want yeah. to. They're going to go to some big name. They're going to go to the Yankees. They're going to go to the Red Sox. They're, they might even go to Philly. They're going to go to a team where they know they have the ability to potentially win. They're not going to want to go to the Trout. I mean, who wouldn't want to go play with Mike Trout, though? Uh, he's a great guy. Great for the MLB. Face of the MLB, in my opinion. Um, I just don't see anyone wanting to go play there for one guy. Yeah. When you go play for a team where, such as the Houston Astros, where you have Jose Altuve, Justin Verlander, you have Carlos Correa, a bunch, just a great all-around team where you can use your talents that help bring a championship instead of praying to God that you can make the wild card. I don't see I just don't see it. 
Yeah. Unless they make a blockbuster trade and they bring in some, give the give free agents a reason to come. All right, moving on to the, the awards for the whole year. We'll start with the World Series. Start big. Who you got? It depends because if the Yankees pitching is consistent throughout, I think the Yankees could make a run at the World Series. If it's not the pitching, I see if the Red Sox can bring back Kimbrell, then I see the Red Sox going right back. So it's their closer situation? It's a closer situation. The bullpen is so important. The bullpen, because look at it. You need to have, you, let's just say your, your starter gets absolutely shelled. First, first four innings, three, four, five runs, and you need to go to the bullpen like that. Keep yourself in the game. Make sure the ship doesn't sink right away. And you need to rely on that bullpen. You need to have that bullpen that can just come in there and dominate for you and help out your starting pitcher. So you don't need to bring up another starting pitcher in the bullpen to help you try and win that game. Yeah. Yeah, no, as a Phillies fan, that, that definitely hurt a lot last year. I mean, your pitcher throws a great seven innings, and then you're carrying a 3-1 lead into the eighth, and all of a sudden the lead's gone. Your team loses, and... And there's teams that are that do so well at holding leads after the seventh inning, and that's a stat that is huge. I mean, it, it goes unnoticed. Builds, it goes builds confidence to starting pitchers as well. I really like the Astros this year. I think they are my favorite to win the World Series. Um, they didn't lose a whole lot. They lost and, Gomez. They lost Gomez. Yeah, but and Keiko. Keiko's gone as well for now. If he doesn't come back, but I really He'll like. Back. I like back. Michael Brantley a lot. The acquisition they made. I mean, and their whole team is young, besides Verlander. And, um, yeah, otherwise, I think they're overall very young. And I think all the whole team just got a year older with more experience. I like Correa to have a bounce-back year. I think he's going to have a great year, actually. Um, I really like the Astros. But out of the NL, I would probably take um, the Dodgers. Right now, they've been the most consistent team in the National League the last couple of years. Uh, I think they're still a favorite to win their division. Even though they made some interesting moves this offseason, many thought Harper would go there after they traded away Puig and Kemp from their outfield. Um, but they got A.J. Pollock instead. Who's, he's a question mark, but um, I still like the Dodgers out of the National League with with either the Nationals, Phillies, or Brewers coming behind them as well. I like the Brewers. I think they're going to be a good team. I Out of the NL, Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, I, they're just a solid team all around. Yeah. Um, Good bullpen. Yeah, very good bullpen. Um, decent starting pitching. They got some good starting pitchers. And I just think that Christian Yelich just won the NL MVP. And he's young. How old is this Christian Yelich? What is he, 22? No. 23? No. He's Not young. that young. Not that young. He played on the Marlins for a couple of years. Yeah, but he, he came right out of high school. I don't he came know right that. out of high school. I think he played... Um, he's he 27. 27. Oh, wow. Thought he was a lot younger than that. He's still young. He's in his yeah, prime. Yeah, he's still in. His, he's still in his prime. Last year he hit three twenty six with thirty six homers and one hundred ten RBIs. That's incredible. Yeah, I definitely see these, this Brewer team being a problem in the NL. I definitely, I, I don't want to say it's the end for Kershaw. I don't know if Kershaw is going to be as dominant as he has been. Um, and here's the thing: let's say he's dominant in the regular season. What has he done in the postseason? He hasn't done much. No. 
Kershaw is a choke when it comes to the playoffs. He is. I just don't. I I love. I like the Brewers. I'm a big fan of the Brewers, in the NL, and I think that they can get it done there. All right, we'll so. start with the National League. Who's your Cy Young prediction? Degrom. Again. I say Degrom wins it. Yep. I say he wins it. Just got that massive contract. I he's gonna have a big year. He, everyone's gonna say, "Oh, he's in, he just got that contract. He's gonna be a buzz." No, Degrom's disgusting. Throws high 90s, good off-speed, good curve. He's got it all. I think he's going to be very, very dominant. I'm biased, but I'm taking Nola. Oh, my more, gosh. More run support this year. Oh. He's going to have more wins in his category, which helps. Um, DeGrom's ERA and strikeout rate was crazy last year. But I think it's tough to keep it up, and it's tough for pitchers to win back-to-back Cy Young awards, especially in a tougher division, even though... Aaron Nola's in the division, but I'm taking Nola. I love him. He's a stud. Uh, I think he's going to have a great year. What about NL MVP? Nolan Arenado. I have Nolan Arenado. Last year batted 297, 38 home runs, 110 RBIs. He's a stud. Yep. I'm very angry as a Yankee fan. I saw a bunch of reports that the Yankees were going to pursue him, and that's why they didn't go after Machado, is because they wanted Arenado. I would have loved to have Arenado and pinstripes, but I do I do expect him to win this NL MVP. I think he's going to put up. If I had to make a prediction on stats, I say he bats three fifteen, puts up forty one home runs, and bats and has like a hundred around one hundred fifteen RBIs. Uh, I think he's going to do a little bit better than last year in the average column. Um, all, all around stud, great arm in the field. He's got an incredible glove at yeah. third base. That's definitely that considered corner. in the MLB and the um, MVP race. So, yeah, I really think that'll help him a lot. I'm, I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt this year. What? Moving to the Cardinals this year, I think he's going to have a big – I think he's due for a breakout year. I really like him. He's a stick, um, great hitter, put in a good Cardinals lineup around Matt Carpenter, um, Paul DeYoung. Um, I like him a lot this year, so I'm going to take him as a sleeper. I also would consider Juan Soto. I think he's going to be the heart of the Nationals lineup next to Rendon now. Um, I think he's really going to carry that good lineup um, and become a is it just a me? Idea. Is it just me, or is it, has Chris Bryant like, fallen off? I mean, I his mean, injury last year hurt a lot. His shoulder, he wasn't yeah. able to swing the same after that. I mean, he just came off that, that World Series, and every, Chris Bryant, number one pick in fantasy league's most... That next year, and I just no one's really talking about him. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, his name kind of fell. The whole the whole Cubs team kind of fell through. Yeah. If we're gonna go that far, um, I just we'll see. It'll be. A, I'm just so excited that the opening day is this Thursday. We've been all waiting. We've all been waiting for this day to come. All the drama with your man Harper, with all the drama of Machado, everything, all the trades, and it it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a yeah. great year of baseball. I'm excited. I think so. Who do you have for National League Rookie of the Year? Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I think that he's going to be a stud. He's going to prove himself. And, I mean, he's built around that Padres team. He is going to look really good. And we'll see what he's got. He's a good shortstop, from what I've heard. Don't really know too much about him. 
Um, looked up a couple highlight films of mine on YouTube. And kids, kids good. Twenty years old, young. I mean, Torres, Glaber Torres, second base slash shortstop. Rookie should have won rookie of the year in my opinion, but to such is life. Yeah, I'm gonna take Fernando Tatis Jr. as well. Um, just came out today. He's he's on the opening day roster, and I think he'll have a big impact on that lineup and um, on the left side of the infield next to Machado. I think that's gonna be fun to watch, even though Padres are gonna have a rough year, I believe, but um, still should be fun to watch. Moving on to the American League, let's start with the Cy Young. Who's your pick? I want to say my boy Sevi. I just don't think he's going to have it this year. I think Severino, if he can, because he's going to be missing the first month due to soreness in his elbow, I just don't believe that he is going to come back the way he should. Um, if you look at the first half of the season last year, Sevi was in the Cy Young candidates. He was one of the best pitchers in the league. And then he sort of faded away. I think he had a 4 ERA in the month of July and August. Um, and in some of September. So we'll see. So who you got? I got to go with... This is tough. I... It's... I, I got to go with Justin Verlander. I got to go with Verlander. He's old, but what better way to prove yourself? And then he's got a good offensive team. It's going to give him run support, and I think they can get it done. Yeah, we got the chance to watch him throw live in West Palm Beach this past spring, and it was something special. I mean, that yeah, you guys autographed. That curveball is nasty, yeah. He was, he was nice nice enough to sign, sign a baseball for me, so you'd think I would pick him as well as my favorite for the Cy Young, but I'm going to have to go with his counterpart, Garrett Cole. He was thrown right next to him actually that day as well, um, and I love him. I think Garrett Cole gets lost in that rotation because of Verlander. Um, but last year he went 15-5 and with a 2.88 ERA and had the second most strikeouts in the American League next to Verlander. He had 276 strikeouts. Um, I think Garrett Cole's a little younger, which will help him compared to Verlander. And I, I really I think he's going to have a breakout year. I really like Garrett Cole and the way he pitches. All right, who's your AL MVP? Mike Trout. It's, it's, it's an easy pick, you know. Everyone thinks Mike Trout, you know. He's the best player in baseball. Um, didn't win it last year. I think he's due this year. He he's gonna build on his resume, which is already outstanding for his age, um, and he's gonna establish himself. Um, I really like him now that he's get now that he's got the money and he's secure in Los Angeles. He knows um, that he's playing there. He doesn't have to worry about that for the next two years, um, or for the next twelve years for that sake. Um, and I think he's due to win it this year. How about you? Judge is going to lay down the law in the AL. He has been breaking records. Now he just has to get it done overall. He has to hit those home runs. But most importantly, this is what's going to be the deciding factor on whether or not he's the AL um, MVP, MVP. Is whether or not he can lay off that stupid curveball. He has to have a better eye at the plate. He constantly chases, but when he's in his zone, he's locked in, doesn't chase, and that's when he makes it tough on pitchers, opposing pitchers, to throw him the ball. You challenge Judge with a fastball 
two times in the bat because you can't because he watches out watches out for that curveball, you're in trouble. He's putting that thing over the fence. He only had twenty seven homers last year though. Eh, he was dealing with injuries. He was dealing with injuries. Same thing with your boy Harper. All right, that's fair. Both ways. How about rookie of the year? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We will see hear a lot about his name. He is currently in the AAA, but the Blue Jays are planning on bringing him up in mid-April. I think that he is going to come in there and boost that Toronto Blues Jays team to new levels. I think they are going to be a they got a stud on their hand. He his power is through the roof, hitting home runs off of the tee. That is how he got noticed from me. Standing straight from a tee, popped that ball 390 over the fence. And that's truly incredible. All right, I'm going to go with a sleeper here. Um, you may have heard of him last week when they were playing in Tokyo, Japan for the Mariners as he uh, was tearing up next to Ichiro as Ichiro said goodbye. And I don't know how to say his, his, his name, but I'm going to go with Yusei, Yusei Kikuchi from the Mariners. Lefty arm out of Japan as well. Um, he's going to make his rookie appearance this year. I think he's due for a good year in the Mariners pitching rotation that lost James Paxton. Uh, the Mariners still have a good team. They competed well last year, lost Cano. Um, and that, and uh, I think I think he's going to be a stud. It's not a bad pick. Eloy Jimenez for the um, White Sox is also a very good pick, and I'm I think he's going to have a really good year as well. All right, how about the best mascot in Major League Baseball? We'll finish with this. I mean, how could you not pick my Philly Fanatic? He's Come a on. bomb. He's a bomb. What do you mean? I got to go with Orbit. I'm going to go with Orbit, the mascot for the Houston Astros. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a mascot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to, else to say. It's hard to judge him, but when you're cheering for your team and you got... The Philly fanatic running. I mean, if we're gonna out. go with that, if we're gonna go with anything, I guess Miss Matt. I mean, because she's a girl, so I mean, I guess you could say something like that. All just, right. I don't know. That's the only, like, dis- only <laughs> distinction we can make. I yeah, guess. I guess that's the only thing we go off of. But uh, trivia of the day. Do we yeah, have one for today? We do. All right, fans, get ready. We'll start with let's see if Matt can figure it out. Matt, who is the only player to make his? Major League Baseball debut on opening day and to hit two or more home runs. I know Judge hit one on his opening day. It was his first at bat. But a lot of people have done that. Uh, Did did he hit three home runs? Did Judge? No. This guy. He hit two. He hit two. I have to go with Couldn't even tell you. I gotta go with if I have to just choose a random name. Yeah. I'll go with I'll just say judge for the heck of it. And judge. I don't think that's correct. That's incorrect, but we still welcome answers of all sorts. So send in your submissions to Justin underscore Burkholder at pba.edu, and if you send in the right answer, you'll be entered in for a, a raffle for a gift card at the end of the year. So hope to hear from you soon. And, uh, yeah, we want to thank you again for listening. And if you have any 
topics or questions that you want us to cover in our next podcast episode, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, that's Justin underscore Burkholder at pba.edu. And if you are able to support in any way uh, financially, you can um, do so on Anchor on our website, and that would help us continue to make these episodes while we're struggling through college, but doing our best. So thanks again for tuning in tonight, and uh, I think, Matt, you have one more thought. Also, we will be making an Instagram page. We will be going live, and we will be posting a lot of comments, a lot of our thoughts and topics when we are not doing these podcasts. So it's going to be bleacherball underscore MJ. That is bleacherball underscore MJ. So give us a follow. Give us a like. Comment on all the posts. We want engagement. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. Thanks so much again for listening. And we hope to hear from you shortly. Uh, Go Phillies.